This is The Water Table. A chance to hear the agricultural side of these issues. A place for people to go find information and education. Water management is just going to become even more critical into the future. How misunderstood what we do is. I would encourage people to open their minds and listen to this dialogue. Well, welcome back to the Water Table podcast. Today, back by popular demand, I have former Congressman Colin Peterson. Uh, many of you know the name or know Colin, and he uh, spent many years in Congress and and most of those years on the Ag Committee as at time as chairman and as ranking member. So a really good knowledge of what's happening in the world of agriculture and in Washington and wanted to just take some time today and talk a little bit about what's happening geopolitically in the world with uh, with Ukraine and Russia at war and how that might impact agriculture. So welcome to the podcast, Congressman Peterson. No, thank you, Jamie. Glad to be with you. So, um, you know, we're sitting here in, in uh, spring of 2022. Um, from an agricultural perspective, things seem to be going quite well. Commodity prices are high. Um, you know, they're rising. There's some challenges with with uh, supply chain and with inflation and fuel and things. But, uh, you know, I think farmers in general feel pretty good about the year they have in front of them just because of commodity prices where they're at. But let's just talk a little bit about what's happening in Ukraine and in the war with Russia and, and how that might impact, um, you know, this year and then into the future agriculture. Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to say exactly how it'll play out. But one thing that I've been concerned about is if you look back in history, whenever we've had these price spikes uh, that have happened, uh, it has come back to haunt us, <laughs> you know, and we've had um, challenges that have developed because of, of that situation, you know, and so that's somewhat what I'm concerned about is that we're going to go through a high price um era right now it's hard to say how long it'll last but it looks like it'll be a while <clears throat> and then you know the input costs and the land costs and all that stuff uh, when we get into one of those cycles those things go up and generally they don't come down and so uh, looking back over history when we've had this in the past it's caused problems you know uh, policy-wise and uh, within the government in the future so in terms of what, um, you know, is going to happen here with uh, what's going on over there in Ukraine, I mean, there's there's a bunch of stuff that's already kind of surfacing. One thing um, I think I heard yesterday, the Ukrainians now have stopped exporting wheat, you know, or ag products. And we already have a shortage of stocks and so forth, and wheat's at an all-time high. So that... Um, is going to reverberate through the marketplace, you know. Um, and then you've got Russia, which is also a big wheat producer. Um, you know, what they're going to do, anybody knows. You've got the other, uh, anybody uh, knows, doesn't really know what's going to happen. And the other um, issue is that, um, um, you know, the way this is going to play out um because of the planting season that's coming up, you know, are they going to be able to plant uh, in uh, in the Ukraine? And uh, if they aren't, 
what impact is that going to have on the, the world market? Um, and, you know, on just the whole uh, stability of the economic system having a, a war going on with a couple of major ag exporters is, is kind of uncharted territory. So, so I'm concerned about um, what might happen. And the other thing that's already surfacing is we've got people talking about, uh, you know, opening up the CRP. So it's kind of equivalent to people talking about you know, stopping uh, Russian imports of oil into the United States. Uh, you know, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference in the short term, but this is something that uh, people have, you know, brought up in the past because of different reasons, and now that's surfacing again, uh, that uh, they want to, you know, take the land out of CRP and put it into production because of the situation. Um, I think that's a bad idea for one reason, because the USDA doesn't know really actually what the good land and bad land is. That's been a big problem. I'd be all for it if we could uh, differentiate between the different types of land, but um, they don't really have that information. And the other thing, people are blaming, you know, these um, this war and the, what's going on for the high food prices. And that, uh, I think, is going to put pressure on ethanol again because there are people out there trying to blame it on ethanol. So the thing I'm concerned about is that we're going to end up causing a war within agriculture over these issues that we've fought over the last 10, 15 years that actually kind of put them to bed. And now they seem like they're coming forward again. So I think it's, it's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of um, concern about where this thing could go. I, I think if farmers are doing pretty well with the prices they are right now, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to see how this is going to play out. Yeah, if you, uh, you know, take, you said a lot there, just take those issues kind of one by one. And, you know, if you go back to the last kind of price spike in agriculture and, you know, that 2008, nine to 2012 timeframe and, you know, many of the, before that, if you go back to the early 2000s, you know, cropland prices throughout the Midwest, a couple thousand, three thousand dollars an acre, you know, and spiking all the way up to over ten. $12,000 an acre and then the cash rent, you know, for those same lands going up and, and doubling and, and even more some more than that. And then, you know, going into some years that were more lean in agriculture through the mid teens and not really seeing, yes, land came down, you know, but it maybe came down 25%, not, not, uh, you know, the 300% that it went up and then, uh, and then cash rents, didn't come off that much, you know, maybe that was 10, 15%, but it wasn't like, so those are just two inputs that, uh, you know, that, that speak to what you're saying about when, when things go up, they don't really come down on the backside, even if, if the price, the commodity price does. Yeah. And, and the other thing, we've got this fertilizer spike that's going on and we're not exactly sure where that's going to all end up, but it's, um, you know, right now it's a pretty huge increase, and there's talk about Russia cutting off uh, fertilizer exports, which could exacerbate that problem. And, um, you know, I think it potentially is going to cause some shifting of what people plant this wing in the United States because um, I'm already hearing farmers talking about going to crops that take less fertilizer because of the situation. So it's going to, 
be a very uncertain time. But the one thing, going all the way back to the 70s, you know, uh, when we had the price spike back then, and every time we've had it since, uh, it's caused problems uh, down the road. You know, so it, you know, we went through the 80s, um, you know, and to some extent, I think that was created by the, uh, by the boom that happened in the 70s. And that was really painful, you know, to get through that. You know, I just worry about if we're going to have these rents at the level they are, have these inputs at the level they are, and then we have the price of commodities come back to kind of the historical norms, uh, I think it's a big problem. So we'll just have to see where it goes. Yeah, and we don't really know, you know, what going to that next point around, you know, what's going to happen this spring in, in Ukraine and Russia as far as planting you know, I heard somebody talking about um, Ukraine, you know, their wheat is, is really spring wheat, so it's all planted. And, you know, we don't necessarily have to worry about that. But then as you hear more, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential damages to roads and bridges and, and getting to that crop um, could be the real challenge. I think that they grow some winter wheat over there as well. Uh, I may be wrong about that. I'm not an expert on the Ukraine, but um, you know, the winter crop, of course, is planted. Uh, I'm not sure that their, their um, cycle is off is that much different than ours. I'm not sure they're going to plant the spring crops until April and May. So I'm not sure they've planted the spring crops at this point. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. I think it would be the winter yeah. wheat that would be. Right. And, and so are they going to be able to even get into the field to plant, you know? And then if they do, if this war keeps going on, are they going to be able to get in and spray and, and do what they need to do to make sure that they have a, a decent crop? So I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know how much impact it's going to have on the export market or the worldwide stocks of you know, these commodities, but uh, clearly it's going to have uh, some kind of an impact and it could be significant. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout your time, um, in Congress and as ranking member and chairman, did you have an opportunity to travel that part of the world and, and, and see what goes on agricultural wise, either Ukraine or Russia or Eastern Europe for that matter? Well, I was there um, a couple of times. I was in Ukraine once and uh, we were on a uh, congressional trip. And this was in like 92, I think it was, 93, shortly after um, the Soviet Union had come apart. And uh, they were still at that time kind of, you know, the old communists were still in charge. Uh, they weren't a communist country, but they were, they were some uh, tough characters that were lined up across from us. And at that time, they wouldn't even let us stay in the country. Uh, so we flew in in the morning and they made us leave um, in the evening because they, the State Department said it wasn't safe. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But So it didn't really get a chance to go out into the country and see it firsthand. We flew over it. Uh, obviously, they have a lot of productive farmland there. And the same thing in southern Russia. Um, you know, I've got um, some contacts of people that have done business over there for a number of years, so I've talked to them about, uh, about some of this stuff over the years. But I'm sorry, you're not an expert. Uh, I, was, I was in Romania, uh, which is also a country that has a lot of arable uh, farmland and I think that was after that was in the you know, mid mid 90s and uh, the um, 
at that time, they couldn't, you know, that they were so, people were so um, disillusioned with, with what had happened after the Soviet Union broke up and the way the uh, big co-ops uh, collectives had treated people. They couldn't get people to go back into farming. Uh, and the other problem is they, they split up the land into such small parcels that it wasn't feasible to farm. So Romania had all of this land that was not being farmed. And I had this guy come up to me from USAID at, at that trip. Uh, and uh, he was a Californian that was working for USAID. And he said, uh, you know, the Romanians are looking for people to come over here and farm this land because the local people won't or can't do it. And he said, um, they will give folks a long-term lease, uh, 50 years or a hundred year lease, uh, on a, as much as 50,000 acres. And, uh, the, the price is very minimal. Uh, what you, what they were looking for is people to bring their equipment and their knowledge and, and farm that land. And so I came back and talked to some of the farmers here in, in my district and, uh, you know, they were not interested because they didn't want to live in Romania, you know. So, uh, you know, so there's a lot of challenges, but uh, they've overcome a lot of that now. They've kind of got back to where they're getting somewhat productive again, and now they're in the middle of this big mess. And, uh, you know, who knows how it's going to end up. Sure, sure. So, you know, moving to the talk a little bit about what you mentioned earlier on CRP and <clears throat> the potential of, you know, certain groups talking about, you know, we really need to, think about taking uh, land out of CRP and putting it back into crop production. Um, talk a little bit about that. I can, you know, I pretty much can understand how that can be a sticky wicket, but uh, you know, what does that, what does that do in agriculture from the standpoint of create uh, fissures and friction in different groups? Well, the problem we have, one of the big problems we have in agriculture is that there are so few people in the country that are really in agriculture, you know, in a commercial sense. And there's a lot, not a lot of understanding amongst city people and, and other elements of our society. So one of the ways that we've been able to put farm bills together is by putting coalitions together of people that, uh, you know, the, the crop folks and the farmers, uh, you know, they want uh, the Title I programs, they want crop insurance, they want a safety net for what they're doing. But then you have other elements out there, uh, you know, conservation people, environmental people, hunting, uh, fishing people that have different ideas and different interests. And so uh, the conservation stuff and CRP being the biggest conservation program uh, was one of the ways that you helped build this coalition. So even though they, some of these groups didn't like the Title I programs, if they got kind of what they wanted in the conservation title, uh, they would, you know, go along and and you could put together a, a bill that, that could get enough support to pass. Uh, we also have the nutrition folks, uh, which uh, the urban people are probably more interested in that than anything. And, uh, you know, that's uh, part of the coalition as well. But, but what I'm worried about is, so if, if somewhere or another, um, some this gets legs, and they start talking about, uh, you know, making significant changes in CRP. What that does is it kind of cracks the whole coalition that we they had. And I don't think it's a solvable situation. I don't think there's a way you can come out of that with, uh, you know, with a, 
an, an answer that actually makes any sense. And so I just worry about, um, you know, getting into the farm bill situation and having that whole controversy out there uh, not resolved. You know, the other thing would be, um, 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 you know, this whole uh, group is basically, in my opinion, uh, fostered by the oil companies that are trying to undo ethanol mandates. And you've got people now using this as an opportunity to say, well, we need to get rid of the RFS. We need to uh, get rid of ethanol, you know, and there's another uh, group that put a study out there that said ethanol is 25% worse for the uh, environment and carbon and climate change than gasoline, which is not true. So I just worry about all that stuff, um, getting some legs and getting people, you know, uh, at each other's throats. Like, for example, on the ethanol situation, we had people in California and people in the Northeast that bought into this whole food versus fuel thing and tried to get get rid of the ethanol mandate, you know, which caused the people in the West to get all stirred up. And we just don't need those regional problems that are going to be created by some of this, uh, some of these ideas. And it's been pretty stable. You know, we've, the, the whole industry um, has worked really hard to get to where they are and uh, has been fairly stable on some of these things. So it's pretty interesting to see, you know, take this all the way back to the beginning, what just the start with, with Russia invading Ukraine and how these uh, step up in, in uh, supply chain and in, uh, in fuel can end up creating all these issues down the road. And some of these, you know, probably will start soon, but we won't really see the results of them for several years. Yeah. On the, um, this whole, um, feed, you know, availability situation, uh, you know, it's a big concern. I understand that. And, uh, you know, for our livestock producers, they're very worried about where this is going and the prices that they're having to pay for feed is, is also way out of sight. And so now some people are talking about, well, that, you know, we're in the middle of a sign-up uh, for CRP, the first general sign-up we've had for quite a while. Uh, they're talking about delaying that or um, putting it on hold so that they don't put this land into, uh, you know, into the process. And I think the the ending date for the sign-up is the 18th of March. So we're, we're about at the end of the sign-up. We've gone through the whole situation. And now some people are asking USDA, to you know, stop the process and delay taking any acres into the situation. And Vilsack, uh, when uh, confronted with this, he said, "We're not going to do that. We're going to move ahead." But these are the kind of things that potentially could cause kind of a rift within the agriculture community, which is the last thing we need because there are just not enough of us in agriculture in, in rural America that uh, you know are directly tied to this stuff that understand it to uh, hold something together if we don't have these coalition partners. Yep. Yep. And this is why, this is why you formed uh, the Peterson group and the Midwest council on agriculture. And it's why, you know, companies like Princeco have been involved for a long time in, uh, in trying, trying to educate the general public on what's, what's really happening because, you know, there's less than 2% of the total population that really work in this industry. Yeah, and they, the city folks, you know, uh, are further and further removed. Uh, even in, you know, cities that you would think uh, would have a better understanding, like Fargo or Wilmer, 
uh, Marshall, even even those communities, you got uh, a lot of the populace that just does not have the understanding of what goes on in the real world, and it's very troubling. Yep, yep, and it probably isn't going to as as land prices go up and farms get bigger. It's you know it's probably a challenge that's going to remain into the future. Well, well, I don't know. It's hard to see how it'll play out, but um, I don't. Hopefully, we won't have a big crash. We won't have a big. Uh, problem like we had in the 80s um, you know that would be a disaster you know we have right now the equity uh, situation for farmers is the best I think it's ever been foreclosures are down you know as much as they've ever been so we're heading into this in good shape but uh, it could be a, it could be a problem you know? yeah. it hangs on very long well I appreciate your time today and some of these uh very complex issues, you know, about agriculture. I didn't know that I'd ever say that, but about agriculture and war together and, and how they're linked. So um, really appreciate your time with us today on the water table, and thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, and thank you guys for what you do. You, uh, If we can get people to understand, uh, your, the drainage contracting probably does more for the environment than anything else in terms of dealing with water and there's a lot of folks that do not understand what you guys do or trying to we're trying to educate them <laughs> it's what you know it's part of what makes uh, north america competitive in the world is you have a lot of great farmland in places like ukraine and russia but uh they don't have um you know some of the places don't have the infrastructure from the standpoint of rails and and uh and you know storage things like that but most of them don't have the proper drainage in place the proper water management in place to to grow the most healthy crop they can so yep no that's exactly true and it'll it'll probably be a while given what's going on over there exactly it's because that all that all is uh it's all combined you gotta you gotta have uh an economy in order to to spend money on stuff like that so Appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, Congressman, and we'll see you again soon. Yep, thanks, Jamie. I enjoyed it. Talk to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today on The Water Table. You can find us at watertable.ag. Find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And you can also find the podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. 